morning, everybody. My name's Steve. If we haven't met, it's really good to meet you. We are, like Pastor Kurt said, kicking off a brand new series called The Neighbors. Now, here's what I think is so interesting about neighbors. Uh, neighbors are actually people, but when you get a lot of them and you put them in a home next to you, they become neighbors. And if you get more than one neighbors, a handful of neighbors, if you will, you now have not people, not neighbors, but you have a neighborhood. Are you with me? And what's so interesting about this is when you sign papers to rent your home or you've purchased your home, you can pick whatever home you want. You can pick whatever street you want to live on. You've probably picked the neighborhood you want to live in. But the thing you cannot pick is your neighbor on both sides or down the road. You don't get to pick them. That's what's known in the industry as an added bonus. And I use the word bonus loosely because some of you, it is a bonus. For others of you, I don't know the nice way to say it, it's not a bonus. And if you're sitting there going, well, all of our neighbors, like, they're, it's a wonderful community. They're all a bonus. If we don't have a bonus list or a bad neighbor, if you're ever wondering that, that's you. <laughs> you're the bad neighbor. <laughs> Everyone else on the road is like, no, it's that guy. For sure, it's that guy. We all know. He doesn't know, but we know it's that guy. But here's what's fascinating about this. We have whole neighborhoods and communities and people next door to us. And for some of us, it is the most wonderful experience in the world. Our kids play together. It's safe. Do you remember back in the day? Some of you probably still do this. You didn't lock the front door. It was just open. And people would come hang out. And if something got lost or someone saw your kids running away, what would what, what, what happened? People would come to your door from the neighborhood and say, hey, I noticed your kids were gone or your dog ran away or whatever. Like, this is just the way of life. And then other people, you have like 12 locks on your front door because of the neighborhood or the neighbor that you live next to. Are you with me? Because neighbors, it's so fascinating. Neighbors are just people. And I don't know if you know this about people or not, but people are messy. But you don't, you don't always get to pick your neighbors, so you're kind of stuck with them. And, you know, some of us, you're like, well, we're going to make some lemonade here because we got a couple lemons next to us. But you, but it's worth it, right? And we all kind of do this. And so we're kicking off a new series called The Neighbors. And I, I just, you know, I just jumped on Google because I thought this would be hilarious. Um, but we all have a list of qualifications of neighbors we don't want living next to us. Oh, just me. I'm the only one that's going to say it. So I got a couple photos of neighbors that I promise you, you don't want, you don't want their homes to look like this. So here's the first one. That's interesting. Uh, I'm going to call it style. Now those are plants and flowers and some foliage. Look, I don't care what you put in it to try and make it beautiful. You know what was in it before you put those in. Are you with me? Like terrible, terrible. Here's the next one. Do you feel it in the room? You can't feel it online, but the room was split. Some people are like, ooh, and other people are like, that's awesome. The awesome people call that art, and the rest of us are like, no, it's not. That's, there's nothing, mm, that's not art. That's what's no, well, you can't say that word in church. Anyways, okay, so here's the third one, and this is my favorite one. Check this out. <laughs> in case you forgot their web address. And... They're on social media too, so you can find them there as well. And then uh, I found one. It's probably from Linden. This is an added bonus. I thought this was really, really fun. See, what happened was someone called the cops on their lawn. And so they said to the person, I don't know if you can read it, but to the person who called the cops on our lawn, and they just loaded it up with pink flamingos. Your move, baby. What you going to do next? <laughs> and I just love it. 
So when Darcy and I got married and we moved down to San Diego, we, uh, we bought our first home and we were so excited. So if you're, if you're standing in the driveway looking at our home, the neighbors on the right, you, you never heard them. They were so quiet. They didn't do anything, which meant by default, like we were the loud neighbors. And if, if, listen, if a neighborhood is going to have loud neighbors, you want it to be you, right? Cause like you're in control of when the party shuts down, you want to be the loud neighbor in the area. You don't want your neighbor to be the loud one, right? You want it to be you. And then, uh, on the left of us was uh, a young family that had kids our same age and they were wonderful people. And so our kids are playing together. We just walk outside and boom, we just have a blast. So good. Now across the street, we had, um, those neighbors, they were on our list of like, well, we wouldn't choose you. They just came with the neighborhood. Are you with me? We had them. And so, um, see, it was a, uh, it was a father and son living in the home and they had, um, they had a woodworking business, which meant the power tools started at 6am and they did not shut down till 10pm. So they're sanding and grinding and cutting and doing all sorts of fun stuff with their little business all throughout the day. It was nonstop. They just kept going with it. And so not only that, but they would have um, discussions or they would say discussions. We would say blown out arguments, uh, not in the garage, not in the home, but in the driveway for the whole neighborhood just for all of us to enjoy. But using choice words were like we had young kids. You got to slide the window shut. Do you know what I mean? You're like, we don't, mm, we don't want to hear all these things. So you got the power tool thing going on. You got all the conversations. Now we had, we lived in kind of a crazy HOA. There was only one side of the road you could park on because of a fire lane or whatever, which isn't that big of a deal, but they would have friends come and go all throughout the day, which meant that our friends, when they showed up, they had to drive all the way down the road and park. So not like the biggest frustration, but a mild frustration. And you know this, if you have enough mild frustrations stacked on, on top of each other, you're going to lose your mind. So this began our journey and we're like, what is happening? And so they would argue together. They would have all these fights and we, like our friends had to park all the way down the road, which was frustrating when we had our small group. I say this because one night when we had our small group, hang with me, this is coming full circle. One night when we had our small group, it was done. It was nine o'clock and we're like, all right, get out of here. We love you, but, but go away. We got to go to bed. We got to work tomorrow morning. We kicked them out. And as we open up the front door and everyone leaves, we saw flashing lights. And not one cop car, not two cop cars, but four cop cars. Two on this side of the road, two on that side of the road. And then we peeked out a little bit more because we were curious. We're like, what is happening? So we look out a little bit more and you have police. They are performing a raid on our neighbors. Fast forward. So we went back inside and went upstairs in our kids' room and woke them up and like opened the windows and peered out. (laughs) Like, what is happening? So, uh, okay, so fast forward, um, come to find out that uh, they sell drugs in that home, which explains why their friends would come and go so quickly. It wouldn't stay for a long time. Are you with me? So we did, and I, you know, I'm a little embarrassed and, and, and ashamed to say this, but um, I had this thought, and I'm probably the only one, but I had this thought of like, like, they, they have young kids too. Like he's got young kids and I have young kids. And I had this thought of like, I hope our kids don't want to play together. Because, because our family's kind of going this way, and it would appear that their family is going this way. And so um, there's no nice way to say that. I just, that was the thought. That was the thought. And so sure enough, um, I'm teaching my son, Nolan, how to skateboard for the first time. And he's on, he's on a longboard, which is way too big for him, right? He's a little guy. But we're out there. We're doing it. We're having fun. And his kids come outside. The neighbor's kids come outside. Have you ever had that feeling of like, oh, no, it's going to happen? <laughs> I had that feeling. So they come out, but they're on bikes and scooters. 
And I'm teaching Nolan how to skateboard. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, all right, we're doing our thing. And then, and then the son that lives there comes out and he goes, hey, hey, you guys, come here. Yeah, yeah come here. I want to show you something. I'm like, okay, it's happening. So I'm like, okay, he's going to ask what I do. I'm going to tell him I'm a pastor and I'm going to pray, lead him to Christ and invite him to come to church. Like, what's going to happen right here? What do we do? Because, you know, you tell someone you're a pastor, it just, boom, shuts down conversation. Like if you're flying, if I'm flying anywhere and they're like, oh, so what do you do? And I go, oh, I'm a pastor. And they go, cool, headphones. <laughs> it just, it just shuts down conversation. So I'm assuming this is what's going to happen. We're going to see the thing and go, wow, that's great. I'm a pastor. And they're going to be like, deuces. And we'll be like, okay, all right, God bless you. And we're on our way. Come to find out this guy, we show up in the garage with all the power tools, the wood, the sawdust everywhere. Come to find out this guy, he's, he, he's holding a skateboard. He says, this is a skateboard that I learned how to skateboard on. My kids, they, they're not really into it. They're into biking and riding scooters and all of that. So I, I noticed your, your son is riding on your longboard, and it's way too big for him. So I, I want to give you the skateboard. He said, I loved skateboarding growing up. I had so many great memories, and I, w- I want to give that to you. And do you ever have that feeling where you're like, man, I, I did it again. Because I, this is human being neighbors are so fascinating because you can look at certain people and you're like, man, why would they make that decision? Like this category of their life, like it's just messy. But yet in other areas of life, they're crushing it. I look at this guy. And I'm like, ah, man, we're like, I think we could all agree that selling drugs is not a good thing. I hope we could. Right. So I'm like, I wouldn't go that way. But here's a guy who's so incredibly generous and blessing my family. We still have that skateboard. My son rode that skateboard last week. So I'm sitting here going like, ah, you're this guy. And so here's, here's the valuable lesson that I learned. And it, it, it's simply this. Um, I will take external circumstances. I will take outward appearances and use them to make assumptions about an internal reality about someone I don't know. Are you with me? Like, I'm looking at this guy. I've never met this guy. The only conversation I've had with this guy is, here's a skateboard that I think you and your son might enjoy. That's the, that's it. So I'm looking at some outside, some external circumstances. And what am I doing? I'm making assumptions about who this guy is, his value system. And you're like, oh, he's no good. And we're, you know, we're two totally different people. And I go, I just learned what it means to be generous to a neighbor. I assumed he wasn't. Because he was this type of person. And I was so wrong. But I think we all do this on some level, right? We look at people and we try to categorize people to help us remember who they are. But, but we don't know these people. So we take outward experiences and we place them in categories. And then the longer we go without knowing them, the more ammo we have or reasons why they belong in this category. And we could be wrong because we, totally, we don't even know them. And to go one step further, this might even be some of you where you're sitting here going, why do people keep on judging me from like, you know, I've got this one thing or whatever, this out, this external circumstance or reality in my life. And people keep judging me on this. But if they only knew me, man, our neighborhood might be different. My office might be different. The work parties might be a little bit different. My, my church experience might be different. And so we, we all, we do this. We do this constantly. Now, listen. If you're not a Christian, this is no big deal. You just keep on doing your thing. But for those of us that follow Jesus and call him Lord and Savior of our lives, this is a big deal. If you fall into this category, this is a big, 
big deal. Because Jesus said the most important thing you can do in your life from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed is to love God with all of you, everything you got, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Which means everything else is secondary. Everything on your to-do list, on my to-do list, secondary to loving God and loving my neighbor. I promise you this whole week, love your neighbor, and I'm even preaching on it, but love your neighbor did not make my to-do list. It didn't. And Jesus is saying the most important thing you can do is love your neighbor. And for you and I, those of us that follow Jesus, we have something to learn here. Maybe, maybe our, our priorities need to get switched. Maybe, maybe our calendar, our schedules need some adjusting. Maybe, maybe we have some improvements we can make. Because I, I think this, I think the church, the, the, the American church does a really good job and focuses a lot of energy on the first part of that commandment, which is love God. But it's, it's, there's two sides to that coin, and it's you got to love your neighbor. And I'm going to even argue in a moment that by not doing that second part of loving your neighbor, we're not actually doing the first part of loving God. So I, I want to walk us through this. So if you have a Bible, go to the Gospel of Mark. Go to the Gospel of Mark. And we'll pick it up in chapter 12. And this morning, I hope this is not like a drive-by guilting. I want this to be very, very encouraging. But I, for, maybe I'll just speak for me. Um, I got some room to grow in this area because like you, I've had some crazy experiences with neighbors. After the first sermon, uh, the first service, I had people come up afterwards going, okay, I got to tell you this story. <laughs> Everyone has a story about their neighbor. And again, if you don't have a story, you're that neighbor. So just take some notes. But Mark chapter 12, here we go. Mark chapter 12, um, there's a group of people and they're trying to, to really discredit Jesus. They're trying to catch him in a trap. And uh, because he's gaining a lot of popularity, people are coming to him from out of the woodworks. They're trying to learn from him. They want to be healed and he's healing people. They want to experience God. And so obviously they're meeting Jesus. They're getting that experience. So there's so many things happening and you've got a, a group of religious leaders and politicians and they have power. And they're frustrated at Jesus because he's taking the social norm and going bloop and switching it up. He's making it upside down. And they're struggling with this. So they go, we're going to catch him. We're going to catch him in a trap. And they, they hit him with so many questions, so many categories. And finally they go, okay, here we go. He's answering pretty well because it's Jesus. Hello. He does that. But he says, okay, we're going to try and, and trap him here when it comes to the scriptures. And so here's kind of where our story picks up. So Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he said, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Out of all of them. Now, there's 613 commandments. So this is a good question, is it not? you got to think, man, some of these are going to carry a little more weight than the other one. You, You know what I mean? So out of 613, which one is the most important one? And Jesus answers this. Verse 29, the most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus is quoting the Shema. And any good Jew knows that the Shema, you say this at least twice a day. You say this when you first wake up in the morning and you say this in the evening. You go through the Ten Commandments. The first one, you should have no other gods before me. You're like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Right? Love God. So he nails it. I want to show you where where Jesus is quoting. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6. You don't have to flip there. We'll just put it up on the screen. 
It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. So jump back over to Mark. Our story continues. This is Jesus talking. And he says, the second is this. And the teacher's like, well, okay, we're adding to it now? Love the Lord your God with all you got. Oh, but wait, there's more. Okay. So Jesus is talking and he says this. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And Jesus is pulling that second part of love your neighbor. He's pulling it out of Leviticus. And Leviticus says this, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is saying there's two sides to this coin. You got to love God and you got to love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen to what, what the teacher of the law says. Go back to Mark chapter 12, verse 32. Well said, teacher, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. This love that Jesus is talking about, the love for God and the love for neighbor, this is, the, this is God's love. This is the agape love. This is love without any conditions. It's unconditional love. And your neighbor, literally, those around you. As you go throughout your day, you run into people at the grocery store pumping gas, your literal neighborhood, your neighbor. Jesus is saying, you need to love those people without any conditions. That's a tall order. And, and love your neighbor as yourself, meaning the, the attention and focus that you have for your life and yourself. He said, I want you to take that and put that on the, those around you. Every single human you come in contact with, that's what I want you to do. You have to do that. Verse 34, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, remember, this is the guy posing Jesus the question. He says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Now, why did Jesus say you're not far from it? He said, you're not far from the kingdom of God because you know the greatest commandment. It's to love God and love people. But you're not doing the greatest commandment. You've got chapter and verse, and you know it's from Deuteronomy. You knew it was from Leviticus. Great, 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 wonderful. You're not doing it. This is the issue. He says, you're so close, but you're not there. And I don't know about you, but I read this, and I find great, um, man, warning and also encouragement because I, I think most of us in the church in America, if I were to, you know, pop quiz you, what's the greatest commandment? You'd probably be able to say, love God and love people. Like we know this. But again, after the first service, and probably after this one too, um, we all have stories about our neighbors, don't we? Sometimes people are very difficult to love, aren't they? It can be very challenging. And so Jesus says, that love that you have for me, I love that. I, I want you to go and do that for other people as well. I, I want to I kind of show you that, man, you can't have one without the other. You can't just love God and not love people. It, it doesn't work that way. And you can't just love people without loving God and say you're doing the great commandment. You're not. You have to do both. Now, we're going to read a passage from John, the disciple, one that was hanging out with Jesus. For three years, John is hanging out with Jesus. And if he learned anything, 
He learned this. And so listen, listen, it's first John chapter four. And we'll start in verse 19 says this. This is John writing. He says, we love because he, this is God first loved us. So how do we know how to love people? Well, we we look at God. What did God do for us? We should probably do that for other people. And he says this, whoever claims to love God yet, this is a big one, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. That's strong. That he's saying, if you love God, but you can't stand people, you're a liar. You don't love God. It's this idea that, man, I just, I love God. God, would you bless me? I want to be so devoted to you. God, I just want more of you. I just, I want to be so close to you. Thank you for your mercy, your grace in my life. Just more, 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 more. And I I just get this picture of God sitting there going, great, do it to that guy. And then we'll talk. That, that woman over there, that girl, you, you need, what you are receiving from me, I need you to give. Otherwise, you can't do this. Otherwise, you're a liar. This is John. He walked with Jesus for three years. Keep going. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Listen, verse 21. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This means those of us who have the love of God, the joy of the spirit, we have the love of God in us. We, we can't be jerks. Are you with me? Like, man, that person, they're so devoted. They're so focused to God. Yeah, but no one likes them. You're, you're not loving your neighbor. We need to be a people that when, when people who do not know Jesus, when they look at us, they not only see our devotion and our love towards God, but they themselves are feeling and receiving our love. It's the love of God that we are giving to other people. That's, this is what John is talking about. If you love God, we will love our neighbor. We have to do this. So here's the main point. Are you ready? Here's the main point. Take out your notes and your app or whatever you got. You can't love God without loving your neighbor. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We have to do this. Now, like I said, I don't want this to, to be a drive-by guilting. So we need to practice this a little bit. And this is, this is simpler than we think it is, okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, I love you. Go ahead. Ready? You go. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. Okay. Now turn to your second choice. Huh? Turn to your second choice and say, even though you're number two, I still love you. Now hear me out for a second. Hear me out for a second. I think, I think what Jesus would want us to do. Jesus demonstrated his love to us in so many ways. And I think, I think it's very clear that Jesus is telling you and I and everyone online and everyone that's watching this, dare I say the world. He's saying, I love you. And I think that we, his followers, we ought to say that to people. At least in my own life, man, I've been so uh, just convicted and challenged to just to say it more, not flippantly, but to look people in the eye and say, you know, I genuinely, I love you. Because what, what I'm communicating to people is I see you. I, you are cared for. I care for you. I notice you. Um, I, I am intrigued by you. I want to get to know your story. 
I, I want to help you. I want to care for you on whatever, whatever level I can. And I think, like, is there a, what's, you know, pros and cons? What, what's the con, what's the bad side of walking around and telling people you love them? Yeah, don't be creepy with it. If you've never met somebody, don't start with, I love you. And you're like, whoa, too much. But, but what if, what if we, what if we communicated, I love you with word and deed? Not one or the other, but both. And, and, and we, the church, we were so known for the, the, the good things that we would say. And we would tell people, I, I love you. Because there's not a single person in this room and watching online that doesn't want to receive that. We all want to be loved. And some of us, yeah, we know we're loved by God, but if we've learned anything from COVID, we need love from people. We need to hear it. We need to feel it. We need to receive it. We need both. And so we're doing a series called The Neighbors. And the whole idea is that you and I, the church, we could be known for a lot of things. But what I desire that we would be known for is our love for God and our love for people, our neighbors. People may not understand what we believe. That's fine. But I want every single human being to go, thank God I have a Christian living next to me because my life is just better because of them. I don't understand what they believe. It's a little weird. I don't know. Maybe I'll go to church one day. I don't know. But man, that person loves me. And I know if something happens in life, I can run straight to them. What a beautiful thing. And those of us who know Jesus, we just know the Holy Spirit. It's just a matter of time before the Holy Spirit tracks that person down and gets them. We just know. But are you with me? Like this, this is the most important thing we can do. Whatever your plans are today, everything is secondary to loving your neighbor. Everything. And I got a lot of things on my list, but everything is secondary. So here's what I want us to do. I'm going to give you three very simple steps. And the reason I say simple is sometimes some of us come to church and we're like, whoa, I have to love my neighbor unconditionally. You don't know my neighbor. You're asking me to revolutionize my life on one Sunday. I'm just trying to get through the day. I get it. This is why this is a series and not just like a one quick little sermon. Um, I do want to say this. We're going to baby step our way through this. So I want to give you three simple and very practical steps. Okay? So here we go. The first one is simply this. Three, three simple steps to loving your neighbor. If you and I are going to love our neighbor well, we need to, number one, we need to stop judging. We have to stop judging them. Especially if we've never communicated with them. I have been misunderstood a handful of times in my life, and it's, uh, it's frustrating and disappointing. And I have misunderstood other people as well. Do you ever have those experiences? You talk to someone and, and you, you hear their story and you're like, ah, I get it. That, that's why you do that. If I was going through that situation, I, I'd probably say those things. I'd probably get trapped in this way of thinking. On the list of priorities, that, that actually would probably be pretty low, given the circumstances. Do you, you ever been there? And again, I, I bet that's, that's probably your story for some of you in the room. You're like, man, if people would just get to know me, then they would understand. I've been dealt some rough cards. I'm not weird. I'm not dysfunctional. I've just been dealt some really difficult cards. I've had some challenges in life. Who hasn't, by the way? If people would just get to know me. And I think that's our job, for us to stop judging and just get to know. 
Second one is this. Number two, if you've never met your neighbors before, say hello. Introduce yourself. If you got a spouse, make sure your neighbors know you and your spouse. If you got kids, make sure they know your kids as well. And I want to help us with it. This is really, really hard. So we're going to make it real simple. Um, here's what I want you to do. If you've never talked to your neighbor, next time you see each other, like you're in the driveway, I want you to say this. Ready? Hi. <laughs> Try it with me. Ready? Hi. Hey. Oh, isn't that so good? Whoo. Now, when I say hi, what's my neighbor going to say? Hi. They're going to say hi back. Wonderful. Now we have an exchange. This is easy. We can take the training wheels off. We're getting advanced. This is wonderful. And then I'll say, my name's Steve. What's your name? And they'll say, I'm whatever their name is. Now we got a conversation going. This is wonderful. And I can love them and then go, hey, I you just, you know, I'm your neighbor. I want you to know that like, I just, man, I, I want to love the people that are around me. I want to serve them well and just take care of them. So if you need anything, you know, let me know. Honestly, I, I'm here to help. I, I believe in a safe neighborhood. And I want all of us to just, I think our lives are better because of the people we live next to. So if you need something, let me know. You can even go passive aggressive with it. And you're like, hey, if you need anything like that car that's been parked there for four months and it has cobwebs on it, uh, I want you to know I love you and I'll help you wash the car. And while we wash it, I'll help you park it in the garage because I'm sick of looking at it. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like we could do this thing and have this conversation and they would go, thank God I talked to you because your lawn frustrates me. I love you so much. You can borrow my lawnmower. Look at us changing the neighborhood. One conversation at a time. Amazing. Amazing. Here's the third one. And I'm going to say it and you're going to go, I thought you said three simple steps. Hang with me. Number three, organize a simple, simple block party. And immediately the introverts are like, and I'm out. (laughs) Bye. I'm going to a different church. Keyword is simple. Um, simple is, is simple. You could simply say, Hey, um, we've all lived here for 14 years and I don't know your names. I think it's foolish that we've lived here for 14 years and I don't know your name. So, um, we're going to, we're going to have, we're going to make s'mores. Come on over to the backyard. You literally have to show up and hang out and eat a s'more. Then you can go simple. So uh, we're going to put a, a, a slide up. I want you to get your phones and take a picture of this. So you have it. So here's what we're trying to do on July 31st. I would love it for all of us. If you can't and you have to fudge the date, that's totally fine. But um, we want you to gather with your neighbors, literally, the people you live next to, on whatever scale. Some of you extroverts, you're like, sweet, bounce houses, we're going to get the confetti cannons, and we're going to blow this thing up and have the biggest block party the world has ever seen. Awesome. Go for it. Some of you, you're like, s'mores. Because how long does it take to cook a s'more? 30 seconds. How long does it take to eat a s'more? 30 seconds. So you're like, all right, here's your s'more. Frank, awesome. I'm Steve. Deuces. We'll see ya. And that's your simple block party. And it's great. But at least you know your neighbor. That's a start. So don't don't get all like, whoa, this is too much. No, 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 no. You're simply saying, guys, isn't it funny that we all live within, I don't know, 50 feet of one another and we don't have conversations? Now, some of you do. And your neighborhoods, you got it on point. Awesome. Come back next week. There's a more challenging thing. But for those of us who don't, we got some work to do. We got some work to do. It is darn near impossible for me to love you if I don't know your name. Especially if I've judged you and placed you in a column over here. I can't do it. And John and Jesus said, you need to love God and you will love God by loving your neighbors.
These things are connected. So, Father God, would you help us be the people, your people, that we are known in word and in deed for our love for the people that are around us. I pray, God, that as we try to do this intentionally, that conversations would happen and friendships would begin to build. And through that, Father, would your Holy Spirit work And I pray, Lord, that we would lead people to faith in your son, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that it would all happen and start over a stupid little graham cracker with a marshmallow and a piece of chocolate. And and would it happen in one neighborhood and another and another and another? And God, again, for people who do not know you, would they look at us and think we're a little silly for the things that we believe? but would they so deeply desire and hunger for the love that we share? And God, we know that we are able to love this way because of your love for us. And that's what we share. And we're confident that as we do this, Lord, people will come and put their faith in your son, Jesus, and their lives will be changed. Their families will be changed. I pray, Lord, for family trees, for legacies, simply because there's a group of people that call North County home. And we said, yes, I'm going to love my neighbor with the same vitality and energy that I have for my love for God. And I pray, Lord, that neighborhoods are transformed because of it. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen. Amen. Hey, will you stand with us? Excuse me. Will you stand? We're going to close by singing one final song.